Oh, this is the best time of year. It always has been for me. Fall foliage. I love it. Our fall foliage here in Florida is a palm frond that falls on the ground. <laughs> and no, I'm not drinking pumpkin spice latte and pumpkin, eating pumpkin muffins and pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin. Where did this all come from? Uh, no, 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 no. I've always loved, October has always been my favorite time of year in my life. I've had ups, I've had downs, but it, I'm just, I don't know, man. Even if it's in Florida, I get a pep in my step. I love the fall. We're well into the football season now. We're trying to starting to find out we are who they thought they were, whether it's college, whether it's NFL. Look, to tell you how much I'm into this season, my daughter is a freshman in high school. She made the cheer team. She's on JV cheer. So I'm going with my wife on Wednesday night JV games, home and away. I'm going to Friday night games because my daughter goes as a fan and she's in high school and I got to be the bodyguard from a distance. You know how that goes, dads. They don't want you anywhere near, but you know what I'm saying? I, I, I see what's going on. So I'm at Friday night high school lights, uh, Friday night lights. I'm at uh, Wednesday night high school JV games. I'm college football on Saturdays and NFL on Sunday. I'm at one buck all week. And then, of course, I cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game day, game day. So I am so pumped up. But it is baseball playoffs. It's here. It's here. And I love even October when when you see the, the fans in the stands and they're standing at every pitch and, and you know, they got the hoodies on and the, the winter coats. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, it's always been like this since I'm a kid. I love the fall because once you get into November 1st, whatever you got to get going in your life, whether it's a new gig, whether it's something else, whether it's project, you better get it done by November 1st. Once you start getting in Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know how it goes with the holidays. But it's baseball playoffs, and my guest today is, he is, he's a good guy. He is the Rays first base coach, Chris Prieto. And what a story he has. I'll get into it a little bit afterwards. I just want to... He made it. He was a baseball player, Carmel High School, Cali, uh, University of Nevada, and then he gets drafted. And, oh, my God, what do you hear this? Talk about a guy with persistence. Real quickly, okay? Got to give his resume. He was signed by the Padres in the 24th round in 1993. He was granted free agency, and then he was signed by the Dodgers, and he was loaned to Mexico City, the Red Devils. And then... He, the, Dod he goes, the Dodgers, the Dodgers allow him to go to free agency. Then he was signed by the Astros in 2001. Then he was released in 2002. Then he was with the Oxica Guerreros, and then the A's signed him. And then they grant him free agency in 2003, signed by the Cardinals, and he was granted free agency. He was signed by the Angels in December of 2004. And he makes it, he was 13, I think it was, yeah, 13 seasons in the minors. He says his his AAA was the majors for him, you know? He had a twin brother, uh, Rick, and they were also playing together in the minors, but not on the same team. And so he finally gets called to the show. He was only up for a short time. I think he had like two appearances, but he made it. He made it. He was 32 years old. Well, talk about persistence. 
And then he was released and then this and he would travel ball and then he was doing a, a school and this and blah, blah, blah. He gets in, gets in with the Padres, works his way up, boom, boom. And he's been with the Rays and he's the first base coach and I see him all the time. He's always got a smile on his face. And I said, can you do my podcast? And he said, sure. And we were right near the Rays dugout and here we go. And on the back end, I know last week I did embarrassing broadcast stories. I got, I think, one of the most embarrassing, it could have been worse, stories concerning game 162 with the Rays. Evan Longoria hit a changing, life franchise-changing dinger. I'll get into that. And I got a couple of baseball stories today. You know, we're so into football. I know, I know, I know. But anyway, here he is, the Rays' first base coach. What a good guy. What a, what a great story. He's always smiling. He's in the show. My man, Chris. All right, I am with Chris. He is the first base coach of the Tampa Bay Rays. He's got a really, really good story. Here he is with one of the best teams in baseball, one of the best organizations in baseball. I always see you seem to have a smile on your face pregame. Uh, are you happy all the time? Is it just where you are, Chris? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm happy all the time, but uh, yeah, I try to stay positive. Um, winning winning is a, a great thing, and we got, we're got we surrounded by great people. And it, like you said, it's a great organization. Um, there's a lot to be happy about. What do you? What is it? What? What is it? Is it from the top on down? Is it cash? Is it the scouting uh, organization? Why are the Rays able to be consistent? Here you go. You're going to the postseason once again. What is it? Why? Why are you guys so successful? I think it's all that you mentioned. I think Eric and and Cash, you do a great job. People first organization. Um, you know, they kind of set the standard. Um, it's just a great clubhouse, great vibe all the time. Um, just good people, surrounded surrounded by good people all the time. So it's 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 contagious. What would you say is one of the biggest parts of your job that maybe the fans might not understand? You know, they see you out as the first base coach. Obviously, you got to tell them whether to go, get back, things like that. But you know, there's so much more. What you know? Can you tell us? You know what I mean? What are yeah. I, you know we have we have really good advanced scouts. Um, they do a really good job of getting us prepared for for you know the series, and it's kind of my job to kind of sift through all of the all of the information and try to try to put it into play and 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 try to take advantage of opportunities that are given uh, within a game. Um, so I just try to do my homework and and read all the great stuff that our our advanced scouts put together. Now you were a good player in your day out of California. Obviously, University of Nevada. Uh, you made it through the minor league system. You made it up to the show. You made it up to the show. When you were playing, was there a time then that you thought about getting into coaching, or was it? You know, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, I was a. You know, I, I got to the major leagues after 12 years in the minor leagues. I spent a lot of time in AAA. Um, that was kind of my big leagues, but. Uh, uh, 
for for a long time I was my big leagues, but I became kind of a, a, a coach late in my career, just helping the young players, young prospects, and and I, I felt like you know maybe I was that that was the next step for me is once I got out of the game, I played you know 13, 13 seasons. Um, I thought it was a good healthy trans uh, transformation for me to go right into right into coaching. Are there ever days because you're still like to me you're young. And you look like you're in good shape. Are there ever days where you're like, man, I, I, I you know what, I, I, I want to play, or, or no? Yeah. So I'm 51 now, um, and I and I try to stay young. Um, you know, I, I try to stay in shape, but I, I my mind is still in, in in its 20s. But I'm certainly much older now, and I have to take take care of my body, for sure. <laughs> and and. The training that they have, everything that's available to them and has been for young guys that are coming in now, it really has changed, hasn't it? Oh, it's amazing. You know, back back when I started playing, we were just doing static stretches. Now, it's it, you know, there's it, there's a whole performance team that puts together these great plans and gets these guys prepared, um, you know, on and off the field, and and it's just it, it's it's been amazing to see how how the game has changed over the last 30 years. Just two more for me. I always love this when I talk to you guys that have made it to the show. Do you remember what it was like? Because when you when you were getting that call to go, I love that part. I just love that part of the story. And it was quite a journey for you. Can you tell us what that was like, Chris? You know, quite honestly, uh, you know, I had like I said, I had played so long in the minor leagues. It was it was more like a you know it's about time type of me- mentality. You know, I I was like man, you know. It was such a great moment for me, but I was like, man, I was I've been ready for for a long time, and obviously I didn't I didn't stay there very long. Uh, I honestly didn't really. I was kind of naive to the whole process and how the game worked. Um, but yeah, my, my mindset was like, man, it's a, you know, let's go, let's go, it's go time. I'm ready. Um, I was 30, 32 years old at the time, so I was much older. Um, but yeah, it was a it, it was definitely a a, a relief, uh, you know, a, a weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, to, to finally be able to say I was a big leaguer was a really, really cool thing. Was it, was it your skipper that told you, like, in the clubhouse at that time? Like, please tell me how that went, man. Yes. Yeah, so at the time, um, with the Angels, uh, Dino Ebel uh, was the manager. He's, he's the third base coach for the Dodgers now. But, yeah, so Dino had – we had just got rained out of a game. So I went back to my, to my apartment and – got the phone call that I'd be in Detroit the following day. So it was raining out, it was pouring, and we were in Salt Lake City, and yeah, he called me, and it was pretty cool, so, <laughs> yeah. And when you get there, what was that like? And also when you actually ran out onto, you know, onto the field as a major leaguer. Yeah, so when I got there, we also had had rained out. So I wasn't in the starting lineup until there was a doubleheader, and then I got to start one of the one of the doubleheader games. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was everything happened really fast, and and it was it was kind of a blur but uh yeah that that's kind of how it happened i just showed up in detroit and here you are you're in the lineup you know let's let's go so a lot of guys tell me that like they didn't even feel their legs and stuff like that it's almost surreal was it like that for you or no no not 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 too much uh like i said i was i was wanting i was ready to play um I, I, I mean, I, I remember everything. I remember, remember my first at bat. Um, remember the guy I was facing. So yeah, I, I, I can I can look back at that memory and I'll never forget it. 
right, here's my last one. Everybody that I talk to that has made it, you're in major, you know, you're, you're in MLB. What is the best piece of advice you can give a young person? And maybe it's not even baseball. Maybe they're just trying to find their way, man. You know, here you are. You're, 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 you're in the bigs. What's the best piece of advice? Oh, that's, that, there's a lot of good advice I've gotten over the years. Um, you know, being able to compete, being able to stay in the moment, don't get caught up in distractions, things that may affect you away from from being in the moment is is a critical part to being, you know, human, let alone being a good athlete. So I always I always tell people, whatever that is, seek it out. Seek out what being in the moment is for you. Um, stay in the moment and, and enjoy the ride. That's awesome. Continued success. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it very much. It's a pretty cool story, isn't it? Just like Manny, who is the Rays Spanish interpreter. You know, he played, and he played a little in college, and then he didn't even make it to the uh, pro, and he was like, you know what, man, he's only five foot five. So he knew he wasn't going to make it, and he started with training and this and that, and something led to something, this and that. But once again, I can't stress this enough, Chris is a good guy. And if you want to be in a high-level you know, organization, be in Major League Baseball or wherever it is you are and you want to get to the top, nobody's going to give you that opportunity if you are a jag off. You've got, you know, you, they they want to be around. You know, you got to go to work every day or they see you, they deal with you and they don't want to deal with a jag. So, you know, he, uh, and how he actually got in. Do you remember the great Tony Gwynn, the great, one of the greatest hitters of all time, the left-handed hitter, Tony Gwynn of the Padres? Well, his younger brother, Chris Gwynn, asked if he wanted to coach in the minors. He had had a baseball academy. Uh, he ran travel ball. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, okay. So he goes to A-ball. He was the hitting coach. Rookie level with the Mariners as a manager. That's the lowest level in organized or professional baseball. And then, you know, he has a couple of different dudes. 2014 gets called up six different roles with the Seattle Mariners. And then the Rays call and he moves his way up and he's the bench coach and he's there with cash and Brady. And they just, they all get along and just, he's happy. He, he still does his work. He does his work. He's got to make the right moves. You know what I mean? You got to, you can't screw up, but just a good guy. So Chris, thank you very much, man. Pleasure seeing you. And thank you for coming on this podcast. All right. So let me, let, 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 let's get a little baseball stories. Baseball. Where'd you grow up? Did you play baseball? My God, we did not have travel ball. We did. If you made an all-star team in your league, then you would travel to maybe that all-star team from that town would travel to other towns. Once you get a little bit older, then you play in league. You know, Legion, Legion Ball, uh, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was before Legion, Legion. And then boom, then you get into, they would call it semi-pro. It's not semi-pro. It's amateur baseball. If you're paying to play or it don't cost anything to play, it's, you know what I mean? And then I played that for years and years and years and years and years. But I before I do that, and, and little, a couple of little stories, and da, 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 I got to tell you about, I think this one would top all an embarrassment. It could have been much worse. 
one of the greatest moments in the short history of the Tampa Bay Rays was Evan Longoria. The only reason why I thought of this, I was actually sitting over at One Buck, and we're waiting to talk to go into the locker room. You go there for the beginning of practice. The Bucks practice for about two hours. You, you can shoot a little video, see who's practicing, who isn't, catch the vibe. Then you go inside. You go in the media room, and you're there for two hours. Then once practice is over, boom, you either get the offensive coordinator, you get the head coach. Then locker room is open. You got about 45 minutes for that or an hour. Then you go in, and then you can talk and blah, 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 blah. Well, in that two-hour time frame, I'm there. I'm going to start doing some research for some of my podcasts or whatever. And it comes up on my phone 12 years ago today. This is last week. Evan Longoria hits the game winning home run 2000 and well, it was 12 years ago, 12 years ago uh, to beat the Yankees, to send the Rays to the AL wild card. It was the first time. I think it was the first time that the Rays were going to be going and it was eight to seven. It was crazy. The Rays, what made it crazy is the Rays had been down by seven innings. Uh, and it was the final day of the season. And it was Longo's second dinger of the night, you know, and he hit that one right inside the foul pole, just made it over. They have the sign there now, 162. Biggest moment at that time in Rays history, by far. All right, so you want to hear what happened to me? So. True story. I'm working for Bay News 9. It's a local, regional news network. I'm the sports anchor. We're going to be doing uh, a half hour or an hour live show after the game. Interviews, highlights, bringing on people, commentary. You know, that a big night. Big night. All right. Well... The house that we were living in, there was a poisonous snake that had been in my yard. I think it went to the other yard, this net, and it was, you know, poisonous, badass. So I went to Home Depot or Lowe's. I bought this powder that you put on your lawn and it'll last for, until the first rain comes. It's called Snake Away because I wasn't messing around. This is 12 years ago. My daughter now is 14, so she's two. And, you know, September might, you know, I'm not going to have her go out in the backyard. I'm a, my wife's not going to go out there, blah, 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 blah. I'm protecting my family. This is what I did. And I don't know if you, I got snake away. I didn't read the directions. It was a little bit of a wind, windy day. I had no mask on. And I am taking this with my hands. I wore gloves. And I'm just throwing this stuff, sidearm, all around the backyard. But meanwhile, the wind was coming. I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. I was breathing that in. I didn't know. It's poisonous. I didn't read it until it was all done. Do not inhale this. I didn't know. So I'm out there, good hour, I'm, I'm, I'm unloading this bag, boom. This damn poisonous snake's not going to come around this yard. So come back in, take my shower. Oh, get ready to go to Tropicana Field. This is going to be the Rays and the Yankees. Winter going, you know, this is a big game. Yeah. 
a couple of, you know, an hour, a couple hours later, you know, driving there, no problem. And I get there. We're set up. And then I got to do a live shot, a couple of live shots for the evening news, like the news wheel. Five o'clock, six o'clock. I don't remember. Five o'clock, 530, something like that. And it's during batting practice on the field. Remember, Tropicana Field has an artificial turf. Okay. I got my suit on. I got my hair. Did. I'm all ready. And I'm starting to feel queasy. I'm starting to get the sweats. I'm starting to feel nauseous. Meanwhile, fans are piling in. Hey, can you sign? Can you sign? I'm right near the first base dugout. This is a big night. Everybody is there. Players are around. They're finishing their BP. They're walking right by me. They're there. And hey, all the media is doing their live shots. Everybody is right there. I'm in on artificial turf. And you know that feeling? You know that feeling when it's coming. And you can't there, you are not going to be able to stop it. And you're sweating. And I... Uh, Let me make it... To, and I got like two minutes to go. I'm going on live. Talking to my IFB. You got this. We're going to throw to this sound. That means an interview. A little B-roll. That means a little footage. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I'm not hearing anything. I'm just like... Oh, my God. So, get through it. I turn to Randy. Randy Levine. No, not the guy that worked with the Yankees. Randy Levine, my videographer, photographer. He's running the live thing right there. I said, Randy, I am not feeling good, man. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. So I ran, I ran through the dugout, I ran down the hall, I ran into where I knew there was a bathroom, I locked it, boom, boom. Now I made sure, you know, I kind of cleaned up. I mean, people are paying a lot of money to sit down there and the last thing that they need, I'm aware of other people. No, I tried to, I cleaned it up, you would not know. And I cleaned pretty good. And usually right after that, you know, you're not feeling too bad. But no, I still was feeling bad. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I said, Randy, I got to go up and ask J.B. Long. I'm sick. I'm sick. I wonder if he can cover for me tonight. J.B. Long right now is the play-by-play -play voice for the L.A. Rams. <laughs> at the time he was Bay News 9 slash Bright House Sports Network so I and I don't want to talk to anybody I'm white as a ghost I go up to the press box I see JB I said JB are you here what are you doing you're just going to post game you're doing a post game package that means a story I said can you cover for me man I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it tonight to this game I am sick I am sick I just don't I'm sick he goes yeah I, uh, I got you I got you I said, 
And I just, I left. I got out. It was going to, it's coming again. I am not going to stay inside Tropicana Field. I got out. I walked so fast. One or two people, hey, Rock, I'm boom. If I didn't see you or say anything to you, I'm not being a jag off. I made it to where my car was in the parking lot. Boom. I made sure I did it more to, uh, away from everybody on the grass. Not right there, you know. Boom. It came out again. I was so sick. I was so sick. I'm like, just let me drive home. Just let me drive home. I was, I just started driving home. I couldn't even make it all the way to home. I had to pull over somewhere again and again. And I was, oh, and I don't want to gross you out anymore. No, that's it. There's no more. There's not, nothing any worse. That's it. That was the worst part. And I'm driving. I'm, I, I left my, I left my bag, my backpack. I left my gear. I left my notes. I left my makeup, my microphone, my, my, my IFB, my, I left all my stuff up there. So I, then I texted Randy and Randy, can you bring, get my gear in the press box and just bring it to the station? I, and then I, I, maybe I call, I must've called the desk or called and said I couldn't make it. And I didn't make it. I never saw that game. I was so sick from inhaling snake away that I never saw the Evan Longoria home run. I didn't even watch the game. And any time I see that Evan Longoria 162 and everybody around me down here talks so highly of it, I just, do I tell them about Snake Away that I breathed it in? No, I don't. So it's just funny that this came up this year, this week, last week. And there's, and since we're talking Rays, there you go. There you go. But anyway, uh, you know, you're going to have those days, man. Thank God. But when I say it could have been worse, can you imagine if I did that on the biggest game in Rays history right there in front of everyone and they got to be around that at the first baseline where we got live shots going on? Thank God. Thank God. Oh, that would have been terrible. And now, this day and age, somebody would have shot that and it would have been a viral video that forever, forever, I would be thought of that. Oh, you're the guy that puked. And the one says, thank God, thank God, thank God. I just thought of that now. Thank God. 12 years ago, people weren't on their phones, right? I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't think so. 12 years ago, was it really? I don't, I don't think so. Nobody, nobody, there's no video of it. Nobody knows unless I tell you. Now you know. Now you know. But I just love baseball. And, you know, I like the new rules. I like the pitch clock. I like it. Now, now playoff baseball is great. Every pitch matters. You know, and I was just thinking, like, it just changes. Uh, a friend of mine is a bar a bartender. He was a taproom manager, bartender. My man, Damon. And he used to be at a place called uh, the Pint and Brew. And then it changed Snooties. Now he's at Crooked Thumb, blah, blah, blah. But I remember, and he's a Detroit Tigers fan. He went to Michigan State. When the Chicago Cubs were in that World Series with Joe Madden of possibly breaking the curse, that Cubs, that goat, Billy Goat, the whole thing, 
he would do his, finish his shift, he told me, and he would shut down and he actually would stay. And here's a guy that's been in the bar business a long time and he, you don't want to work any extra hours. He actually didn't go home. He was like pitch by pitch. That's what baseball can do for you when it gets to this time of year. I love it. I ha- Do you remember when you were a kid? With Man, I'm dating myself. Now, I don't know how old you are, but we had what was called a transistor radio. And I remember that there were day games when I was a kid for the World Series. Oh, my God. You're trying to listen to that thing in school. Although I didn't do that. Mr. and Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. You know, it's so funny. My wife is busting me all the time about being Catholic. Uh, the Catholic school. You went to a Catholic school. Oh, my God. You're always worried about doing, you know, you, you're breaking over rule. Uh, there's this thing for the for the NFL where even though I have a, a swipe, I got a card with my picture on it that I can go up to the gate at one buck place and boom, I put it to it. The gate opens and I was like, wow. I got power, man. I can go into the NFL facility. <laughs> Even to this day, it feels pretty cool. But you still have to apply and check the box at uh, the beginning of the week on what practices you're going to cover. You want to you go. And then they usually give you a uh, an approval if you're in or not. Well, there was something with the system, and I did it for t- two or three times, and I, I didn't get any response back, but I'm like, I got two podcasts that I'm doing. I got one for Joe Buck's fan. I'm there all the time. I know I'm... I'll go anyway. And I thought, oh, what if that thing is broken? Then they'll look. Oh, was I not approved? Your name is not on the list. So I went over to the girl who does the uh, credentials. She's Danielle's fantastic. She is sharp. Fordham University. And I said, Danielle, you know, I've still been checking off the box, but I haven't been getting any response, but I'm still covering. I'm okay, right? And she's like, you know what? I have been approving them. Maybe there's something from the system not coming back, but I'm approving you. But no, you got your card. You're okay. And I said, my wife is always telling me, man, I always think that I'm I'm not doing the right thing. It's my Catholic school upbringing. And she just started laughing. So my wife's always busting on me like that. So no, I did not try to sneak in a transistor radio when I was a kid. But I was just thinking on how different it is now where I never see, and this has been like this for the last 20 years, I never see kids in a playground, in the middle of the street, playing baseball, playing catch. We had a game called Pickle. Did you do Pickle? I think it was Pickle. Yeah. A runner and another guy on the other side, you know, playing catch. You play catch and you try to go this way, this way, get him out. Or, you know, I used to be in my backyard. Dover, New Jersey, small backyard. I would throw against the chimney from this garage we called it a shanty and uh i broke windows playing in the backyard my parents were so pissed like go to the park not another broken window that's it you're gonna pay for the you know blah, blah, blah. yeah i got it i got it i got it um i'd ride my bike i had a paper route so i had that every day but then and i was trying to think about it last night i don't remember i think it was after school i know it was seven days a week and i know saturdays is when i had to collect money i'd actually physically go to each house or to the little uh corner stores two of them three of them i had in my route and 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 ask them for the money 75 cents a dollar yeah that's, that's how long ago it was yeah, yeah yeah seriously but 
I would get on my bike then after that and I'd go to, go to East Over or, you know, mush ball or start playing ball or playing. Or I went to my friend's house, John Che Wooden, and we were always playing after school, after I'm done with my paper. Boom, boom, playing, hitting, hitting, throwing, hitting, throwing, catching, running, throwing. It wasn't, there was no travel ball. There was no training. There was no instruction. And I always thought like, wow, I wonder how I could have been if I actually got instruction or training how to, you know, get your velocity up, show you techniques and things. Then there's no training, nothing. But it was great. It wasn't, it was great. Wouldn't change it for anything. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. The only thing that I do regret, and it's a little late now, when I got into my 20s, uh, I played baseball in the summers. My father used to go to all of my games. We would walk to the field if it was at Eastover, uh, if I played at this Crescent Field, or wherever I played, Jefferson, Lily, he, Hopatcong, Florham Park, Marstown, Boonton, I, you know, Parsippany. I mean, I played it all everywhere. I pitched the all the time, a left-handed pitcher. My father was at all my games. And when he got, my father had a bad aorta valve, and he was in and out of the hospital Growing up, we had to go to the emergency. We had to go to the Mayo Clinic. My poor mother, with three boys, trying to raise us and have a husband. When we went to the Mayo Clinic, and I was twelve years old, they told him he's going to have like seventeen months to live. Unbelievable, my mother. Unbelievable. And my father wanted to still watch me play when I got into my twenties, but I started partying. I came back. I started partying, and I was on a team with the Spees twins and. And these guys, and we'd play in Booton or uh, Mountain Lakes. I was on a team, Mountain Lakes, the different teams, and you know, hardball. You know, twenty-one years old or whatever, twenty-two. And my father was still living, and when, I, but I was going to the game, and then right after the game, we would go to the bar and we would party, and I loved going to party with everybody. And I, was, I thought, and my father wasn't driving at the time. And man, now I think about that. Like how selfish is that? And it wasn't that far. He wanted to go because when I would wake up in the morning, he would always be, oh, how'd you do? Or it might be in the local paper, the Daily Record. Oh, you pitched a good game last night. Oh, I see you guys lost a tough one. And I know that he had wanted to go. He was just sitting at home. But no, I was like, well, I'm going to drive to the game because I want to go to the bar right afterwards. If I take my father, then I have to drive back to Dover and then go back. And I didn't want to do it. It was so selfish. You know, when I look back at it like that, that, that is one thing I do regret. But what, what can you do? What can you do? But I never said much, but it really is neat that he was there all the time. And he wasn't one of these fathers that pushed me or you got or yelled at me or anything. He just watched and was always supportive. And man, oh man. And we're trying to do that with my son. And uh, and my daughter. Not pushing. Not pushing. Just be supportive. You know? And I'll tell you, man. It has been something to see. Where uh, the support for like the high school football. JV. When I, was, when I, when I played freshman football. They don't have that now. Nobody came to the games. Nobody. And there is such a big support 
uh, it's incredible. And we look across sometimes at the other teams, and it might be a, in a, you know, they just don't get the support of the family and, and, and something. And it's like, wow, man, you know, it, it means a lot. It, it, it really does mean a lot. It really, really does. All right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that. Uh... Oh, another thing. And you know what? Here's the other thing, too. My father was always right. I, I thought he wasn't at the time. He was always right. Little things. I was just thinking about this the other day. When I would ride my bike, I'm pitching in a little league game at night. And after school, I would ride my bike clear across town, up this big hill, and over to a friend's house, and he had a pool. It was an above-ground pool. <laughs> no, 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 no fan. Above-ground pool, it was great, though. And I would go swimming. I would go swimming, and we'd have a good time, cannonballs, can openers, you know, having a great time get back on my bike, drive all the way home, put on my uniform, go up to Kingfield, go pitch in the game, and I, I didn't do good. And my father was like, what would you do there? I went I went swimming over with the Gannons or Charlie Cross and South. He's like, you're tiring out your body. You need your, you need your strength. Don't do that. That tires you out. And I stopped swimming and stopped doing that. And I... I pitched great, good anyway, or whatever. But I mean, he was always right, always right. And so you fast forward year, years later, I'm covering the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. The catcher for the Devil Rays at the time was John Flaherty. John Flaherty also caught, I believe he caught for the Yankees. I know he's done work on the Yes Network. And I remember talking to him uh, pre-game one day and he's like man I'm tired today Whew, I was in the pool with my kids man tires you out and I thought you're a major leaguer can't do that but he wanted to play with his kids and I'm like look he's tired and my father told me don't go swimming before your games it will tire you out and he was right and dad if you're listening I should have told that to John Flaherty man there you go there you go but it's a great time of year I love this time. Just enjoy it. Everything goes by so fast. Actually, the football season. You know, I'm looking down and I do my homework every week. I have this uh, podcast called Bucks Kickoff Podcast. It's Joe Bucks Fan on JoeBucksFan.com. And it's, we used to do it 24 hours before every game. Now it's 48 hours before every game. And I give you everything that I've learned. I got my behind the scenes, behind the rock, because I'm there all the time. What I see, what I hear, give you all that. And I start doing my preparation and I'm like, I just clicked. Okay, let me go back to the two teams, the Bucks and whoever they're going to play. Let me just see what they did. It's it. Oh my God. It tuned. You're kidding me, man. We're in week four now and this just passed. Now we're going week five, week five of the NFL season, the college football season, sometimes week six. It goes by in a blink of an eye. But I think the college games have been tremendous. Uh, we've been talking about it over at one buck, just how great of a college football season. And we're not even in the heart, you know, in the middle section yet. So it's been great. It's been great. 
And I'm loving every second of it. And it's so funny too, because when we go in that Bucks locker room, they've got, there's a middle section where we stand. They have a backdrop. They'd like you to do the interviews now with players there because Advent Health is their sponsor and they get more mileage. I want to do it there. You know, instead of being at lockers, some guys are getting dressed, getting changed on the shower. And so right where we're standing behind us and you look, they have two big monitors. One has NFL Network playing and the other one has ESPN. And we're, when we're in the locker room, it's the Pat McAfee show and it's NFL Network. And every Thursday when we're in there, it's Nick Saban. Nick Saban is doing a weekly segment on the Pat McAfee show. He's very smart. He knows that, you know, McAfee has a big audience with young people. And Nick Saban's doing a Zoom and he's got a crappy camera. It's a phone that's like kind of blurry. I'm like, this is Al Head of Alabama on the biggest sports show, Pat McAfee show. I can't believe it's like blurry. You don't care. He probably doesn't. Old school. And everybody's kidding around saying, you know, imitating what he's really saying. You son of a bitch. You know, this guy didn't do this good. We should be killing these teams. <laughs> we're, we're role playing, pretending what he really wants to say. And then they're like, yeah, the SID probably comes in and says, uh, you know, Nick, coach, uh, let's get us a, a nice iPad or let's get you, let, let, let's get a nicer thing. He's probably like, this is damn good enough. You know, this is damn good enough. But I mean, it's unbelievable. But we see that every, so it's funny, every Thursday. I see Saban, I'm like, there it is. The blurry, the blurry phone again on the McAfee show. So anyway, listen guys, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. We're coming up on Hallow Scream. I love Halloween too. We were walking around with my wife yesterday, and everybody's starting to get the decorations out, man. Just a great time of year. My thank you to Chris, the Rays first base coach. Enjoy the playoffs, guys. Enjoy your football, and thank you very much. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Maybe leave a comment. Help out. And I'll talk to you next week on The Rock Stops Where. Where?